Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 13, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 1 through 11, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, and Psalm 138. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Church of the Redeemer, it is my pleasure to be able to stand before you this chilly Sunday in February. Um, Deep love and admiration brings me here because last week I was in Honolulu, Hawaii preaching. (laughs) And so, um, deep love and respect for your rector and for the work that you do here. Um, made me bump up this Cincinnati trip to February. (laughs) So know that you are appreciated at the Virginia Theological Seminary where I teach homiletics with my colleague Ruthanna Hook. I'm very grateful to be with you all this fine day and I am here because of an interesting occasion. Our seminary turns 200 years old in 2023 And for that time period, we have sent priests around the world um, proclaiming the gospel, doing their best to live faithfully and to lift up churches, parishes, schools and other works of the gospel. And so to be able to stand here as part of this bicentennial campaign to raise the awareness of preaching, to strengthen preachers and encourage people to live into their baptismal vows is one that I take very seriously and I am glad to be here. It has been interesting as I started in 2018, this journey. And so I'm at 152 sermons. So we're we're, we're chugging right along. So thank you all for affording me four today. Um, I'm very grateful. A little over a month ago, I was in Cape Town, South Africa, preaching at St. George's Cathedral. For those of you who know, that was the cathedral for where many years the Archbishop Desmond Tutu engaged in very serious work of reconciliation, justice, and truth-telling. So it is no small feat, I would imagine, as God superintends our goings and comings that I saw that he preached here in 1990 from this very same space. So I'm glad to be able to live in the continuity of these occurrences, and I'm also glad to be with you today. Um, our, our sermons today will be fourfold. So at the eight o'clock, we talked about the conjunction at the crossroads. And so uh, this, service, this service here, we will be dealing with a confession at the crossroads, a confession at the crossroads. The Apostle Paul finds himself in a precarious predicament. He is writing to this church of Corinth, this church that he planted, this church that he has deep love and affection for. But this church has found itself wandering in the aimless and wayward ways of the world. This cosmopolitan city and all of its allurements are calling many of those who claim the name of Christ to turn their back on this gospel that has saved and delivered them. And for those who have not turned their back, they have slowly turned their shoulders as they hope to stay in fellowship with the world while also living for Christ. The preponderance of the facts are clear, the Apostle Paul states. 
He understands that his confession about who he is and how he has arrived at this station in his life have allowed him such clarity that he's able to pinpoint the understanding of his identity. And so he writes some of the most personal words of scripture, in my opinion, as a way of connecting to this Corinthian congregation who seems to be very, seems to be veering off the roads of salvation. And he simply says, for I'm the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. These words were not words that cost him nothing. For in order for him to bear this earnest confession, he had to look at the ways in which his actions have failed Almighty God. And it seems that confession is hard for many of us because we must look at the way we've let God down. So it seems that Paul, looking at the ways in which he persecuted God's church, who arrested and wrangled those who were believers in the way, those memories are fresh on his mind as he's writing to this church because he's saying to them, I'm not writing because I'm perfect. Indeed, I'm writing because I'm flawed. I'm writing because not that I've mastered all things, but I have come face to face with the master of all things. And I realize that I am left wanting. And maybe that space of confession is where we're being invited to today. As a city. At the crossroads. As a nation at the crossroads, and dare I say, a world teeter-tottering at the crossroads. For Corinth was a city that was known for its commercial grandiose manifestations. It was known as a place where sailors could come and hang out for a while and have a good time. Though the geography of the place was such that you would sail in from Alexandria or sail in from Rome or sail in from other parts of that world. And you would come to Corinth because you would then dock there and then have to either carry your boat or your items across this four mile wedge. And hopefully you would meet your boats on the other side. So Corinth was this place where people came to meet came to socialize, came to engage, and also come to be devalued, come to be dehumanized, and come to be anonymous. It seems that these cosmopolitan places call people to a place in which confession is not easy to do. They're called to be honest. They're called to be true. But these places of anonymity have tucked them away in such a place where those who come in traffic, who give idols their worship, who give prostitutes their bodies. This place of Corinth was a place that seemed to be antithetical to confession. And my sister, and my brother, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves like our sisters and brothers in Corinth, finding ourselves recalcitrant 
to the possibilities of confession. For confession is indeed good for the soul, but it's hard for the ego. For those of you who live with someone and share space with someone, you know that to admit one's wrong seems so simple, but it then in practice becomes so hard. This coming face to face with self, looking at the ways in which God has been good to us, leads us to a place where we have to assess our own lives and to see where we've fallen short. So, the theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, in his book, Moral Man and Moral Society, discusses this concept of self-interest. And he says to us that us human beings as individuals are fairly kind and very warm people. We, we want to do right. We want to give our coat to the homeless. We want to feed those who have no food. We want to be selfless. But he says when we get together in these self-interested groups, we find that our morality seems to strain. Some of the things that we would not be for in our personal lives, we become for in our public lives. He says that our self-interest becomes so commingled that we are unable to make sense of where the line is of our moral self and our immoral self-interest. So this, this notion of confession strikes at the heart of what it means for us to be a nation strikes at the heart of what it means to be a Christian community. Because as we gather as self-interested groups, the ability to confess our sins, our national sins, our local sins, our congregational sins, and even our personal sins becomes even more difficult. Maybe Isaiah can speak to this because he speaks about an encounter with the Almighty God. And this encounter left him in such awe that he realized that he needed to rethink his life. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train filled the temple. But through this encounter with God, he realized the woefulness of his own flesh. It's something about encountering God that drives us to the opportunity to confess. The Apostle Paul, in our epistle today, speaks about the power of the resurrection and how the resurrection changed his life and changed the course of history. But it changed the course of history because it caused him to reflect upon his own life, the ways he let God down, persecuted God's church, and so now, as he looks at his life, he recognizes his shortcomings. He's also able to see the possibilities at hand. He says, but by the grace of God, by the grace of God, this grace was spoken to by Adam Clayton Powell Sr., but made popular by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this concept of cheap grace. This concept in which grace costs us nothing because we offered nothing to God for it. He's saying that we must be careful about offering God things that cost us nothing. 
Because then we will never find the unsearchable riches of God. If we're not willing to search the depth of our own depravity and complicity. So Paul saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I can't take back who I've been. And I can't undo what I've done. But what I can do is live into the depth of what I have done. So that at the bottom of my human reservoir, I find God's riches to replenish me, to renew me, to encourage me for the work, and to push me forward to do greater things than these. It seems very difficult for our nation to reconcile itself. It seems hard for us to look at ourselves in the mirror. Our political and social and economic self-interest leads us to places where we can't admit the obvious and we can't find peace with our neighbor or ourselves. But the grace of God is waiting for us to find the truth of our reality so that God can lift us up to be of greater use for this world. A world in which air is harder to breathe. Water is more scarce to find. Water is being given its, its natural place, but we are then commodifying it and keeping it away from others. A world at war, rummagings of war in the South China Sea, war mounting in Ukraine, the space force in the sky in which nations are weaponizing the space that we can't even see. My sisters and brothers, we are in a place where God is calling us to repent. But I know confession is hard. But the good news of this today is that the God of all confession is here today. This table provides a space for us to connect with our cosmic creator and this Christ that redeems us so that we can live out our baptismal covenant. We're being invited to be transformed. We're being invited to be renewed. But will you meet the God who met the Apostle Paul and the God who met the prophet Isaiah at this table today? I can promise you one thing. The God of all peace, the God of all love is calling you to go deeper, go deeper today. Amen.